follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. gentlemen welcome to the four corners podcast i am shad here with matt and brad guys how are you doing doing good shad doing good great you're gonna get our shout outs out there first thing the first one is gonna go to collar and elbow the wrestling brand collar and elbow brand.com use the promo code four corners podcast that's the number four capital c and corner capital p and podcast no spaces save 10 percent on your order and our other shout-out is going to go over to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Colon. Orlando Colon, the true superhero of the <laughs> wrestling world. He wore a mask once, but we kind of like to try and forget that whole yeah. Matador yeah, era. They had such a great worker in, um, oh, what's his name? The little guy who's a really great worker that they never really used past comedy stuff. El Torito? Torito, yeah. A, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he's a really great worker. Because he's little, he's a mini Mascara Sagrada, isn't he? Or was, I think. Really? Yeah, he's a good one. I know. Well, like, if you you watch Lucha Libre, a lot of guys have, like, a mini version of themselves. Oh, I I did not know that. Yeah. Especially, like, AAA, like, Octagon had one, um, a bunch of guys do. That's pretty common. Huh. Okay. So speaking of <clears throat> well, masks, we, um, we're we back for part two of our Rogues Gallery tournament. Uh, last week we focused on the DC side of things. We kind of changed it up a bit because it seemed, um, seemed to flow better just to go ahead and do the DC side of the bracket. So to, um, to kind of recap what happened last week, if you did not hear it, um, so we had a we had a play-in match where Green Lantern defeated the Teen Titans, and then in round yep. one of the tournament, Batman defeated Green Lantern, and then the Flash defeated Superman, and then in the semifinals to go to the final, Batman defeated Flash on the DC side of the tournament. So today we're going to focus on the Marvel side. So to recap, who's there? We have Spider-Man. Fantastic Four, the X-Men, and in our play-in match, we have Captain America and Iron Man. Yes, we do. So, um, let's see. We're going to take care of our play-in first, so I guess the question is going to be, which one are we going to start with? Well, let's let's um, talk about, let's talk about, obviously, the superiorist of Marvel villains, but... The rest of the rogues gallery was not up to snuff, but Stilt Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there was a Hero Clicks pre-release I played at. I don't remember what set it was, 
but Stiltman was in it. And so a bunch of us got together because the piece came in the pack um, disassembled. So it had the base, it had two stilt legs, and then it had Stiltman that went on top of it. So everybody, it was a sealed draft tournament. Everybody who got a Stiltman, we all got together with all the legs, and we stretched him as tall as he would go without falling over. So that was like ten sets of Stiltman stilts for Stiltman. Wow. <laughs> I was more impressed with the balance than anything. So let's, it was Stiltman. Let's, uh, let's start off with the X-Men. And go oh, with one oh. that I think is going to have a high degree of familiarity because of the cartoon. Which, honestly, the cartoon well utilized their, um... Actually, the whole universe, really. Like, the cartoon from the 90s really got a lot of characters in there, even for just cameos. Yeah. So, Which one were you uh, thinking of starting with? Well, let's, um... I think, I think we've... I think we've talked about Magneto before, and I think he's kind of gotten played out as time has gone off. So let's go with um, let's go with Juggernaut. Who's gonna say the line? Wait, <laughs> he actually doesn't say I'm the goddamn Juggernaut. That was Squid Boy. Yeah, I know, but that's that's kind of what I was waiting for. Um, so I think that's kind of actually the most interesting he was is when he was like briefly kind of redeeming himself with the X-Men, and he even was on Excalibur for a while. Yeah. Juggernaut is interesting. He's inter- not only being Xavier's brother, but, and you guys are going to have to correct me, because I'm going to be more rusty on the Marvel side, but so much of his stuff is built on, you know, big, huge guy, but he's the Juggernaut and he gets moving, you don't stop him moving. Incidentally, um, him in uh, Deadpool 2 was... That was a fun movie, but the portrayal of Juggernaut in that was fantastic. Also, um, uh, not so well known, but he did bump uglies with (laughs) She-Hulk. Oh, really? I don't don't think I remembered that. I'm pretty pretty sure if you're... I'm pretty sure if you're a bruiser in the Marvel Universe, you've bumped uglies with She-Hulk. Yeah, they went through a, a phase about that, didn't they? Yeah. Now, I think I think an interesting fact about um, Juggernaut, and something that just shows the greatness of early Marvel Universe and how on the ball Stan Lee was, um, Juggernaut and Doctor Strange actually draw power from the Crimson Bands of Sidorak for their powers. Now, Doctor Strange obviously has a lot of places he draws power, but they he does draw some of his spells from the Crimson Bands of Sidorak. So they both right. um, they both do that. So Juggernaut is technically magical in his um, in his origin. Right. He makes an interesting challenge because the X Men being an ensemble team. Even their big guy, Colossus, is not big enough to, necess- to to stop Juggernaut on his own. So you have, basically, you have this wrecking ball that swings through. And you have the X-Men trying to either get out of the way or, or deflect enough of the impact that they don't go down immediately while they try and figure out how to keep him from swinging. 
There's actually a really interesting issue from, I think, like the late 70s or early 80s where Colossus and Juggernaut actually get into a bar fight. It's like, oh, really? It's like Juggernaut and Street. Like, they go out and they run into each other, and then Juggernaut and Street Clothes gets into, like, a fist fight with Colossus in that issue. Huh. I am, uh. For, I don't think I've ever seen an image of Juggernaut in Street Clothes, so that's probably not helping. <laughs> I mean, it was the 70s, so there was probably, like, plaid of some sort involved. And bell bottoms. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did a really good uh, job with him in the X-Men cartoon. Um, Do you guys also remember, like, this is really kind of going deep. Do you guys remember the brief, um, the the period right after Marvel bought Malibu Comics? Where they they had Juggernaut actually go into the Ultraverse. And he was part of, like, the, uh one of the superhero teams there. I think this you sent me kinda... pictures of him on Ultra Force. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah, I, I really have a fondness for him because he's like, he's also like a very human character because he's kind of a dunce, but he knows he's kind of a dunce. Mm-hmm. And um, I also love because... Because sometimes with villains, like, you don't get genuine friendships, but I, 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 I truly believe that, like, Juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy are, like, the best of friends, and, like, in a genuine, like, real way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, let's, um, let's, let's go some, let's go to some side guys here that I like for them. Um, Toad. <laughs> uh, Mystique. Yeah. Um, let's Mystique go. I like because cause her influence is just so subversive. Let's go with uh, a personal favorite of mine because he came from the circus in the early issues. Um, the Blob. The Blob. You're uh, just doing blob. that because of the arcade game, aren't you? No, I'm doing that because of the uh, challenge of the X-Men. Uh, that okay. one off way back there. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, okay, so because aliens were big... No, maybe they predate the aliens. I feel like they're an alien ripoff, though, but the Brood, who are one of my favorite um, of their villains. Uh, you do that, I'll look it up. Because they they have, um, there's like this six-issue series, um, with, like, the X-Men against them, like, in the mainline comic, where, like, the the covers are just like horrifying because like the, the brood are like infecting them and turning them into brood and stuff. The brood's first appearance is uncanny X-Men 155 March, 1982. Oh yeah. So they're, they're definitely alien ripoffs. Yeah. Um, cause aliens like uh, 77 or 79, isn't it? Let's see. I am looking aliens was 86 so 79 okay yep oh damn i'm good (laughs) usually if it's usually if it's if it's awesome sci-fi or horror and started some franchise that's never ending and it's not predator it came out between like 77 and 81 okay um let's see like apocalypse um he's kind of gotten overkilled though i think 
Yeah. So I felt Apocalypse. I think Apocalypse overall is a fantastic villain, but you are correct. Like they, they really have not. They haven't served him well in recent years. Now I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you my personal favorite one, and um, this he his for he he was. He was the first character I ever bought like an old issue of in my collecting days and spent like some money on. And it's not like it's not a super valuable one, but it's the first old issue I owned from the 60s. And he named himself after a character from Lord of the Rings, but Sauron. Oh, yeah. The the pterodactyl guy? Yeah, that like yep. sucks people's like youth from them. Oh, wow. So the first old comic I ever bought, I think I only spent like $25 for it, but I got an issue of, I think it was 60 or 61, which is the first appearance of Soren. Okay. And then I think the second, like, sort of pricey first appearance I ever bought was Hobgoblin from Spider-Man. See, my uh, my brother has this thing he'll say about X-Men villains. He says, you got three categories of X-Men villains. He says you got Magneto and Magneto minions, you got Apocalypse and Apocalypse minions, and other. And uh, and you know I haven't been able to shake that because um, a lot of the other kind of seems to be in the one-off or not in the primary villain spot. See, if that they, makes sense. They dumbed it way down. Um is like the 80s closed and they got into the 90s and it really fell into that but like i think in like the the 70s and the 80s you had stuff like the hellfire club and then Mm -hmm. you had like the shiar empire um you really did have like a variety even like like your one-offs like wendigo and um like proteus even arcade like arcade's a great one too that yeah that's um that's actually one of my favorite. Yeah, that's one of my favorite issues of that brief thing comic from the two thousands. Is they were on like an island that he was running. Um, but he's and it, well, when you consider the asides, like the Sentinels, who Nimrod, show up all. Yes. Nimrod and Master Mold, which are brands of Sentinel. Nimrod's actually a favorite of mine too. Um, well, like the, the, the vanilla Sentinels show up a lot, but they don't ever seem to be all that much of a threat. They're, they're big and they have like cable in their hands. They can shoot out to grab stuff and they can go pew pew a little bit, but they, they seem to be made out of balsa wood. So Um, they're more dangerous in like quantity because when they, um, there's a point, like, I think in the early Grant Morrison stuff where they, like, kill, like, a vast majority of the population of Genosha. Cause they... Yeah, that's, well, wasn't that, wasn't that, uh, Cassandra Nova? Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of facilitated that. Yeah, she did. Cassandra Nova, Shad, is, like, Charles's, like, evil twin sister or something from a oh, different okay. universe or something. <laughs> she she came out of the hyper time then. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I know wow, hyper time. A, a hyper time reference. But there, <laughs> but there there is this point there is this point around I want to say like ninety nine or two thousand where they realized that they just had like way too many mutants and then they started trying to um kill them off. 
Wasn't that what House of M was? Pretty much. At the end? Yeah. Well, yes, because so there was a point, I think it was Decimation that followed House of M. And then there were 198 mutants, and they depowered everyone else. And then, Yeah, um, that was Scarlet Witch. And then um, they've kind of slowly gone back up, but that's where you started getting stuff like... I think Quicksilver got his powers back by using the Terrigen Mist of the Inhumans. Right, right. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, look, I used to have powers. You know, go to the moon? Yeah, I'd like to go to the moon. I ask go to the moon. Walk in there. Okay. You get your powers back? Yeah, I got my powers back. All right, cool. <laughs> But I, I, I have a, I think I think the X Men have a really strong like Oh, Sabretooth. Yeah. Sabretooth is a classic, yeah. Yep. But even um even some like the lesser known ones well no, I guess they're not lesser known, but pe- people remember like Magneto, Apocalypse, yeah, Sabretooth. But there are others that are that are out there that are just like they could be fun, they could do like interesting stuff with them, like Mojo. Oh, Mojo's a good one. Yeah. Or um or like Omega Red. Yeah, I remember yeah. Omega Red. Yeah, the the X Men have a lot of strong, a lot of strong villains. A lot of variety too, because like Mojo's very mm. like different. Or even um, you you just brought him up because Mojo makes me think of him for some reason. But Strife, which is like Cable's mm. like evil twin. Oh yeah. yeah. See, one of the things when I was young is I had the hardest time separating X-Men villains from people who just really hated Wolverine. <laughs> so that was that was something that took me a while to get a handle on. One of my what what are your thoughts on Mr. Sinister? Because he's he's probably one of my favorite X-Men villains. Um Michelle and I were kinda of talking about him before. I think I think I've grown. I wish they would kind of redesign him at some point because he really feels like too much of a relic of that like mid '80s to mid '90s like design that like can feel really out of place these days. Yeah, it the idea of a character who is using mutants to try and genetically engineer, you know, his own mutants or followers or whatever okay that's cool the problem is that using mr sinister for it i can't take him seriously looking at him he looks like they're they're trying so hard to make him look sinister oddly enough that he just kind of laps back around and looks goofy to me the the cape the the his face like the whole i'm just kind of like oh gosh i i just i just can't and I, i'm not i'm not trying to dump on one of your favorites matt i'm just saying that to me i it does not work so i apologize i didn't mean to hurt feelings or anything like that he did a, i like though um i think where he was at his best though is where he was kind of um the master of like where he was kind of like the creator of the legacy virus which was a bigger deal like back in the day oh i forgot all about that all right let me look that up real quick 
because they they solve that at some point with him. And he does have I do like the um, do you remember his little gang like in the '90s, Matt? The the Nasty Boys. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I still have his first appearance. I have to look. I have most of like the X Men's first appearances, if they're not like in that um, that first like twenty issue run where things get pricey. It's interesting to me though with the X Men going by like what you said though is like you if you see like Mister Sinister and Apocalypse now you think they're like these iconic villains that have been around forever and then you look up their first appearance and they both showed up in like the late 80s which is yeah. like really bizarre for like big time iconic villains to to appear that late these days well they they definitely present a very different kind of threat than what the x-men had been dealing with up to that point you know like the er, the original run of the x-men where it was Cyclops and Gene and Iceman and Beast and Angel, Beast and Angel, yeah, had a hard time going toe to toe with the Blob by himself. Now suddenly you've got Sinister and Apocalypse, who are you know long term, big picture planners, that sort of stuff. Um, I give credit for that, and uh, Matt, again, Matt, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't. I I was being that guy, and so I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> it was a, it. It's a. Um, it just it, Mr. Sinister kind of reminds me of Venom, not Venom of Carnage. It's like no, I look cool, and it's like, dude, you can absolutely what to tell what era you were designed in. You know, I um, I like the early, I like the really early Carnage appearances. We'll get into it a little later, but they really Marvel was gone just batshit insane like with carnage stuff like the last decade mm-hmm. uh now they have, yeah i do i do have one question that's not villain related so how do you guys like your angel do you like your archangel with the metal wings um one of apocalypse's horsemen or do you like just the standard angel with the wings possibly with healing powers if you're dealing with like the more um current angel personally I feel like I like Archangel. Oh wait, no, he has he... like fake, fake fire wings now. I think. Oh, does he? It's not. It's not cool. <laughs> I'm with you. I think I think I like the metal wings ones, but that's what he looked like when I really started getting into X Men. Yeah, that's that's what I first knew him as was Archangel, and I I thought that looked a little silly until I found out. I was like, no, that's one of Apocalypse's horsemen. Which, for some reason, that concept, I, I really dig. But um, the uh, reading when I was young, reading some of the early X-Men stuff, it's like, no, Angel, he has wings, he can fly. And I'm like, okay, look, I, I get it. You want to have a guy on the team who can fly, but with what everybody else on the team can do, is that it for him? Because he seems kind of out of place. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of had that issue. I've grown to appreciate that that squad more the older I've gotten. But um, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. It just 
didn't seem to fit. Do we want to move on to the Fantastic Four? Because I actually, I actually think um, I really have a fondness for the Fantastic Four Rogues Gallery. Sure. So um, obviously, uh, we need to wait. We need to we need to talk about the greatest member of the Rogues Gallery in the Yancey Street Gang. Well, yes. <laughs> okay, I'll shut up now. Um. Well, so like, um, we don't need to say a lot about him because a lot's been said about him over the years. But Doctor Doom, who is like this mix of like mad scientist with black wizard, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think he's, I think he's up there with the greatest villains of all time. He's a really, really good and really iconic villain. He's really good. And like being the dictator of a small country, I think also makes him interesting. Yeah, and he was doing it before Black Adam was, and I really like Black Adam doing it. But I gotta give props. So. And he also has a great satirical character based on him, which is one of my favorite Venture Brother characters, which is Baron Underbite. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, they've kind of softened him in recent years, but also Namor, who I think is, like, probably... I think you can argue who their, like, top villain is, if it's Doctor Doom or Namor, and I would listen to either. Because Namor is, like, a more insidious villain, because he is, um... He is kind of, like, a rival for the affections of Sue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if Reed ever drops the ball, like, Namor is just waiting there to pounce yeah Namor's also uh one of the one of my Namor's a prick yes so uh there you, you take you take those two things and put them together and I won't keep wondering it's like if you guys if these this is the case why do you guys keep hanging out with him because the thing with Namor is Namor is a fucking douche and Namor goes about things in the wrong way but a lot of times namor is right in his douchiness he just goes about it in the wrong way like namor is the guy like if you're if you're about to do something stupid you want to run it by him because namor will be like what the fuck are you doing like that's stupid i think i would find somebody else to ask about that he was in the um great i can't think of it now when they when they did civil war and they had that like secret group that was like planning things that was the, like uh, Doctor the Illuminati. Yeah, the Illuminati. He was yes, one of them. Illuminati, yeah. Which um I, that never made yeah. sense to me, but then Black Bolt was one too and he can't even talk, so Lord knows how that works. Um He's interesting. I I I, I do like him and they but they kind of had he kinda of waffle he doesn't waffle as much anymore. But it used to be um, if you were a new character in Marvel, you either had to fight Doctor Doom or Namor in your first ten issues in like the Stan Lee days of writing everything. Oh, yeah, really? that's that's actually how I became kind of familiar with a lot of these Fantastic Four villains is because again I didn't read a lot of comic books because I didn't have access to them. But for some reason, like my public library would have those old like masterworks. Yeah, yeah, like you you know the. I, I feel like Marvel was pretty good about they had some trade paperbacks back in the day that effectively collected like I'm not going to say the first issue but I think it was kind of like the origin issue or first issue they, of a lot of the, a lot of their characters like uh, 
like Iron Man, Fantastic Four, Incredible Hulk. Uh, and they actually had some trade paperbacks with some of the more prominent characters, like uh, like the Fantastic Four fighting, like Mole Man, Namor, Doctor Doom. So I was exposed a little bit to these characters because that, that was pretty available. Yeah, because... Cause when I was like starting to read the really old Solar Age stuff, like the Masterworks, mm-hmm. like were a little too expensive to buy because I think they were like thirty bucks. But the library would often have them, and those would usually print like ten issue segments in order. So if you could find them in order, you could actually read like get like Fantastic Four Volume One, and like Fantastic Four One through Ten would be there. Is uh, usually what my my um experience with it was now um let's see who do i want to do next okay so i think he's he's kind most people would see him as kind of lame but i find him interesting because he is um he is he is the father of like pretty much an extended member of the of the fantastic four family which is the puppet master and it kind of complicates things because he's the dad of Alicia Masters, who is primarily Ben Grimm's like love interest. She was Johnny Storms for a while too, but that was stupid. But she's essentially like a member of like the immediate cast, and um, that kind of creates interesting um, issues. Yeah. But people would probably think he's lame now. <laughs> There's, um, this is something I alluded to last episode, and then we never really got around to it because we didn't talk about it. But there's at least one um, that you would put, that a lot of people would put in the Fantastic Four rogues gallery that is really more of a plot device than he is a villain. Um, the first one I'm talking about is Galactus. Galactus isn't isn't it, it, like okay like in Superman originally Doomsday was not a villain Doomsday was a plot device Galactus is not a villain Galactus is a plot device right so but then again I guess the Fantastic Four deal with Galact well they dealt with Galactus at first and then I don't know Secret Wars happened and everybody else was aware of them too yeah. Also, um, um, great parody character of him in The Tick, where he was, like, this codependent guy that, like, The Tick was driving around on in, like, a golf cart. <laughs> and then took a bite out of the moon when he left. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Oh, what was his name? Um, Damn it. I don't know. The other one that comes to mind on the Marvel side for that is um, uh, Onslaught. Onslaught was... Onslaught was not a character. Onslaught was another plot device. Well, I mean, Galactus is kind of like Ego and like a lot... Like, Marvel's cosmic beings are a lot more like forces of nature. But I think... I think um, If you ever read Annihilation, which is a great crossover event that existed kind of in its own thing, like, you knew they were in bad shape when the Annihilation Wave took out Galactus and he was infested with, like, the bugs... Mm. yeah the i'm gonna just i'm gonna throw out three i started to jump around like there's i don't know if they're going to incorporate them into any of the 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 marvel cinematic universe 
Um, and I, I don't think that Marvel can can pull what they previously pulled by basically doing 11 years worth of movies leading up to obviously two big movies with uh, with Thanos as the main villain. But if they were if they were inclined to do like another like five to ten years of like building up storylines and focusing on one main villain, I think Fantastic Four uh, has three villains, which could definitely pull like the weight of having like that that gigantic villain that all the heroes need to to, to join together to actually stop. One could be Galactus. Uh, another one is like Annihilus. Oh, Annihilus. Um, I don't know. Annihilus is an underappreciated thing because he's like because Annihilus yeah. is essentially like I, I I'm, tell me if I'm wrong with this he's essentially like the lord and master of the negative zone the negative zone yeah and essentially an entire uh, other universe he's ruling of like he's the ruler of it he's he's an incredible like he is an underappreciated villain he did get uh, his due a little bit in the the whole annihilation storyline which is amazing they really it's it's really good and they it they really did um present him as like a serious threat uh that storyline has actually ramifications a lot of ramifications like i know obviously people focus on some of the other uh, marvel comics stuff but they kind of quietly did those um the annihilation storyline but that had a lot of effect on all the the quote-unquote marvel um cosmic books because that fed into like stuff dealing with like the scrolls with the shiar um the guardians of the galaxy had a, a play in that like it, it really had a lot kind of like long ranging ramifications for all the different marvel um cosmic storylines uh but then the third the third villain i think that actually could be like something really interesting if they, they went this way not quite not quite a cosmic level threat but kang kang the conqueror which I don't know yes. if they would go down that route because Kane the Conqueror has a that's a, that's like a lot of like elements of time travel which they already kind of did with with the with Endgame so I don't know if they would do that but the, Kang is a, a fantastic villain. They cast they were they cast him in something. I had heard rumors that he was going to be like the villain in Ant Man three and it's like I, I I I he's too big of a villain if that that's what you're going with like I don't. Yeah. I see. I don't even know if they're making Ant Man three. I just I heard that was a rumor that they they were they were contemplating putting him as the main villain for that movie. They cast um, Jonathan Majors. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's in Ant Man three. The um, thing the because I, I was talking about my brother with this. Because he knows Marvel better than I do, and the the fun thing that he pointed out about uh, about Kang is Kang is there. Are, there are so many different versions of him because, as an unrestrained time travel villain, all of these different choices can spawn a new version of Kang. And then there's the Council of Kangs, and so it's it, it's really it's nice to. Um, have a have a, a villain where you can play around with that, he, and it makes sense. He isn't even Kang for his first appearance. Who was he then? He was King Ted, I think. Was he really? He's like a pharaoh they met in like Fantastic Four, like number eighteen or nineteen or something. 
Hmm. Ramatut. Yeah, Ramatut. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah, that Kang means. is a Kang is a major uh, Fantastic Four villain. Let me see. Um, I mean, do we count the? I'm, I, I'm, I don't mean to jump ahead, but I'm going to ask. Are we counting Silver Surfer as a Fantastic Four Rogues Gallery member or not? No, because he doesn't. He's not. I don't. I wasn't really. Not really rogue enough. He's more good guy than bad okay. guy, honestly. I I do think we also need to point out the Fantastic Four's biggest villain in the Rogues Gallery, and that's Reed Richards' ego. Because dude has, in in his refusal to bend on things, has been this massive, um, massive uh, uh, hindrance to his home team. That's fair. I'll throw a couple more in there, and then we can move on. But um, let's see: um, the Mad Thinker and the Awesome Android. Which are the first actually villains of a Fantastic Four comic? I picked up the Super Scroll, the Mole Man, and the Frightful mm, Four. Mole Man, yeah. The Frightful Four version uh, I'm thinking of is Sandman, Wizard, Medusa, and Paste Pot Pete, which is the original incarnation. <laughs> so I think they. I, I have I have a hard time taking a villain seriously named Paste Pot Pete. <laughs> they. He, he, He's, I mean, he's not really meant to be. He was kind of a, he's kind of a human torch villain. Like when he had like a solo, like, like a solo, um, like mini story in Strange Tales before Doctor Strange, like kind of took that book over. Okay. Gotcha. Um, like I said, I think they have a quietly, like really strong, um, really strong rogue gallery. So let's move on to... Okay, I think I think we're gonna get into a big hitter here, Spider Man. Ooh. Yep. So, um obviously Doctor Octopus and Green Goblin would be your your premier villains there. But I think yeah. even I think even I think where Spider Man is strong though. Is when you really get into the C listers is where you get into some like really like great and um, beloved characters like Rhino, um, the Shocker. Mm. My personal favorite, which is um, Molten Man. Oh yeah. Um, like guys like Beetle, Boomerang. Um, if you move back up, like the Rose, um, Hobgoblin, the Demigoblin. Venom and Carnage, Cardiac, who is kind of a anti-hero, um, Alistair, uh, is it Smythe? Smythe, yeah, yeah Smythe. And um, so the Spider Slayer, yeah, Spider Slayers. J. Jonah Jameson. Um, <laughs> you have uh, Parker. <laughs> Get it. His um, his um, son is a uh, Man Wolf. No, it's not slander. Once written, it's libel. Yes. You know, um, this is like a weird aside, uh, but this was just really great writing uh, and really great characterization. But in the Sam and I think it was was it the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, Spider-Man Two, where Doc Ock is uh, he breaks into the Bugle and it's like threatening employees. Yeah, and he's 
if I recall correctly, like he's looking for Peter Parker. He's looking for whoever takes the picture. Yeah, he doesn't a know that it's Parker. Yeah. Yes. Say so, uh, thank you for correcting me. And and the whole the, again the whole premise is that Jane Jonas Jameson like hates Spider Man, always treats Peter Parker as like you know beneath him, and it's just generally presented as like a in a, a loud obnoxious dick. Mm-hmm. But in that moment when he's being threatened, his life is being threatened by Doc Ock. What does he do? He doesn't rat out Peter Parker. He's like. He doesn't give him up. It's like, no, I've never heard. Of, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I just Dropped get sent off the, by couriers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just get sent the photos. Like, I don't know who it is. And that right there is such a small moment, but it is brilliant characterization. And that was obviously done in the film, but the comics would have all sorts of little, little tidbits about that, uh, kind of you know, you peppered throughout the different writers of J. Jonah Jameson that. And he's presented as someone who doesn't like Spider-Man. He's presented oftentimes as a jerk. But he has these moments where you see, like, he's actually, uh, he cares very deeply. And he, he actually has, like, a, a code of honor and a morality. And I think that that actually adds, like, so much. It's one of the things that I really love about Spider-Man. Spider-Man, I'll, I'll, I'll like, just give the game away. Like, I think Spider-Man is arguably, like, the best Marvel character. And one of the things is, like, he is so, like, they, he's written as so human of a character mm-hmm. and that that corresponds to a lot of the people like in his universe both as kind of like enemies or allies but also of course it, it goes to his his villains his rose gallery like so many of his villains have really compelling stories too like we mentioned the rhino like there are there was storyline there was a storyline actually that was done not that long ago in the last like i would say like 10 years when the Rhino had reformed, you guys remember? Did you, have you guys read this one? Maybe. Like the Rhino, refor- the Rhino reformed, and he was uh, he wasn't a villain anymore, and he found like a, a girlfriend essentially. And then there was a, a new character that had basically taken over as a Rhino, but he he got it into his head that he wanted to like prove that he was like the only Rhino, and he attacked Rhino, and the the uh, the ultimate battle in the resulting fight between them rhino's girlfriend gets killed and spider-man is basically begging and pleading with the original rhino like you like just like i know that you're hurting but you, you don't want to like you don't want to turn into a monster like you you you've reformed like you can just leave it at that i can stop this guy i can bring him to justice and rhino completely snapped completely snapped murders like the new rhino for as revenge and then goes back to being a villain and it's presented as like he's not going to become a hero anymore like he's completely lost it he's like like the man that was rhino is dead he's just like the beast now and that was an absolutely fascinating story because you take you take the villain and you you bring such a, a human element into it like we've all experienced loss before you can kind of you have compassion for what he's experienced and you can kind of see what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's so, that's just one example, but there's many different examples that they've used for, with Spider-Man villains over the years. Like, uh, I remember this is like from like the eighties. I got this, these back issues from, um, from like the local comic book store when I was a kid, it was from spectacular Spider-Man. They did an entire like six episode. I think it was six episode. Um, storyline with the character Vermin. Do you okay. guys familiar with, the, yeah. with with Vermin? 
I know the name. And, and it was basically Spider-Man f- facing Vermin, but the underlying plot was you see that Vermin before Vermin used to be like an ordinary human being before he got uh, like genetically mutated. Uh, but you see, like he, you see, like he experienced trauma as a child because he was like he was molested by his stepfather. Mm-hmm. It was really dark, but it was like it made you actually care for the character. It made you feel something for the character versus he's just. He's just a villain for for Spider Man to punch, you know, punch in the face, and then you know, that's the end of the es- the uh, the issue, folks. Like, see you next time. Vermin was actually the the baddie that was like um, involved in Craven's last hunt, where Craven yes. Craven goes like so. Craven pretty much incapacitates Spider Man because Spider Man hadn't been able to beat Vermin. He dresses as Spider Man, beats Vermin. And then once he's proven he's better than Spider-Man, he kills himself. And then they've proceeded to ruin that for, like, the next 30 years. But that was an awesome comic. Yeah, yeah. It's probably one of the best Marvel stories ever, actually. Yeah. Well, there, you dropped the other Spidey villain that I was pointing at on my list, Craven the Hunter. Craven is a great character. He was great in the animated series. They really used him yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And they apparently are fully intending to bring him into like the cinematic universe. I hope mm-hmm. they, I think they. I, I would I think like they, them to do mm-hmm. what um, Ultimate Universe did with him, where he's like a reality show host, and it's like about him. Like they almost made him like a quasi crocodile hunter, where he was like hunting big game and taking it down, and he came to New York for like the show to like take on Spider Man for that. That's a different twist. Uh, I think the plan right now is that he is actually he is going to be brought into the the universe. But you know how like uh, Sony is kind of doing its own Spider-Man universe because yeah. they have the Venom films and they have Morbius, which uh, probably should have already came out, but because of the pandemic, I think they delayed it. But they want to do they kind of want to do a, a series with him too, like so he's going to get his own. Allegedly, he's the plan was supposed to he's supposed to get his own movie, so that I would imagine they're probably going to have him be like Venom or Morbius, where he's going to be more of like uh, like an anti-villain yeah. or an anti-hero. That makes. I don't sense. know. I, I think it's it's he's he's a compelling char- uh, character. I think they could actually do something with him, depending upon who they uh, who they cast in the role. Yeah, that's going to be key for that. Mm. So, do we want to move on to Captain America? Well, I mean, sure. we didn't touch on Venom or Carnage. Do we need to, or uh, Venom's really kind of? I don't. I don't really count Venom as a Spider-Man villain anymore because he really hasn't been a Spidey villain for twenty some years now. Because they've okay. stuck pretty hard to that. So they had that thing where he like abducted Peter's parents before they turned out to be like androids or whatever. But they had this big brawl, and I think it was like three seventy-five where. He um he and Spider Man meet in this abandoned thing and Eddie Brock's like, Look, I got a deal for you. Like you leave me alone, I leave you alone, we do our own thing and they've kind of stuck to that for they've kind of just stuck to that because they've kind of started well, Eddie Brock I think just got the symbiote back, but then like um the symbiote was on Scorpion for a while. Flash. Yeah, Flash. Oh yeah. Um 
Flash was more like a secret agent with it, and then there was another guy yeah. in there after Eddie that was not Brock. Topher Grace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they've 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 really um the comics have really like they've they've done the Venom symbiote stuff to death with like all this like weird spin off stuff like the last couple of years and I'm just over Anything yeah, they had a it. they had a thing about more venom spawn, I think. Yeah. Which I think got weird. It's it's just the, the current Marvel loves to take like a concept that's mildly interesting and like B tier and just pretty much like run it into the ground. And when they've already run it into the ground, they like run it into the ground again. Yeah. It's just um. They really need to, like, they need to pace themselves better and not get, like, so stuck on things like the symbiote. Because I swear, I swear every time I go to the comic shop, there's some new symbiote-related, like, thing. And it's just, I'm just over it. It's like... They've really... Yeah. It's just like how they have, like, 5 million Avengers books now. It's just like, could it be something that's not Avengers? Hmm. Um... I was going to say with Carnage, they had the, the mid-90s maximum Carnage stretch, mm-hmm. which, which okay, you know what, fine, you want to do this whole big thing about Carnage is building this psychotic family around him, and Spidey feels responsible to stop him, but this is all happening in, like, Manhattan, where the Fantastic Four live. What exactly took you guys so long to get mobilized here? Well, they're probably and, uh, off in the negative dimension. I guess. But, it, you know, it's just one of those, like... I, I, I guess it was... I think Human Torture... staying in their own lane. I think but, Human Torture thing were involved with that. I, you know what? Well, you got, I'll, I'll sate my own curiosity while we... Okay. While we look at um, something else. Um. So, Captain America is... um. I would say Captain America doesn't have like a lot of iconic villains and a lot of the villains are kind of murky because you have um you have personal favorites of mine like um Batrock the Leaper who I think is a great villain but is also like dipped his toe in superheroics which kind of um which kind of um muddy his waters of what you consider him to be. So I think I think when we deal with Cap I think your your main stuff here is Red Skull, Baron Zemo, Hydra, Modok, and Taskmaster as like definitive cat villains. Taskmaster is who I was missing. That's who I was missing off my list. I guess Baron Strucker because he's like the founder of Hydra. And I guess Winter Soldier doesn't really count as a a rogue no, anymore. No, he's he. That was that was more like a storyline thing. Yeah, it, it was it was funny because I read those when it first came out. So I it's like, oh, they did that. That's what they did. Winter Soldier, cool. But then the movie comes out and people are like, "Have you seen Winter Soldier?" And I'm like, no. And they're like, do you know what happened? Oh my gosh, you won't believe what happens. I'm like, this happens. I'm like, how did you know? And I'm like, I read the comic in the first place. 
Well, I guess I guess honestly, on this list, uh, Richard Nix- Nixon should be on there. Oh, that's right. Because he was number one for the Secret Empire from the seventies. God, that was actually really good. Um, that was a good twist at the time. I think it wouldn't okay. work now because they wouldn't they wouldn't have like they wouldn't have the subtle touch to that. No. No, I, I don't think they would at all. Is is there anyone like a big I'm missing here? Um, Arnim Zola. Yeah, I count him. That's all I got. That's. I'm gonna be honest with you. Cap seems to really shine whenever he's leading the Avengers. His personal nemesis, like Red Skull. And, and Hydra, sure, but I don't know. His stuff just doesn't seem to stand out to me. Um, the, like like a lot of other people's do. You have to... When it's written... Cap at his best is like when like stuff like Brubaker did where it's like almost an espionage book more than a superhero book. E- mm. I would agree with that. Okay. Like, good Cap is like is like Cap um, 13 and um, Falcon doing like coverty stuff and dealing with like Hydra and AIM without maybe necessarily an actual villain attached. In my opinion, some people might disagree with that, but that's, that's, that's when I feel like Cap is Cap works best. Okay. So let's move on. We have Iron Man up next. So for Iron Man, I have Mandarin, Obadiah Stane, Crimson Dynamo, Titanium Man, Fing Fang Foom, Madam Mask, Justin Hammer. It's hard for me to... It's really hard for me to... The matchup's coming. It's going to be hard for me to vote against a, a group that has Fing Fang Foom in it. <laughs> or He Whose Back Scratches the Sky. I think that was one of the names. I'd have to look. My brother actually got... He, he went to Gen Con one year and got the big Fing Fang Foom uh, piece. Like it was, it was as big as the Galactus is, so... I guess Ultimo too would be a would be an Iron Man guy. Iron Man, if you ask me, is kind of the master of like the C list villain though, because when you get into like his C list, is where you get guys like um, Blizzard, Whiplash. Um, what's the knight that rides the winged horse? I have no idea. Um, he's he's like a lot of those um, where I think um, I think we're like Iron Man really soars is like I think Madam Mask is probably my favorite of his um, villains mm-hmm. because he has like an he kind of has an on again off again romance with her in those early days because she's um. Is it Whitney Frost, Matt? 
Uh, I don't remember. But um, I I uh, let me look it up. Okay. Yes. Awesome. I'm glad I remember that. Ha. Um. See, then you have like you have like kind of corporate rivals in Obadiah Stane and Justin Hammer. Obadiah Stane, I think, is is uh, most memorable because issue 200 is him and like Iron Man having that big showdown, and then Obadiah Stane like kills himself at the end. Mm-hmm. At least as Ironmonger, is that right? right? And I believe that okay. issue is written by Denny O'Neill. Oh. And then Titanium Man, I think, is... um, I I have a real affinity for him. He's like a Russian version of Iron Man, just with like an inferior suit. Um, Crimson Dynamo can be of a hero at times. He kind of bounces back and forth. But um, am I missing any big Iron Man ones? You mentioned Mandarin, right? Yeah, I mentioned Mandarin. Yeah. Um... I said after. Do we talk about Justin Hammer? I, I have one there. We didn't talk like much about. Yeah. He's kind yeah, of like. He a, he's kind of a similar. Corporate. Yeah. Corporate guy. So let's um let's hit our bracket here. So our our, our, our... oh um, ghost. Oh yeah, ghost is a good one. Ghost is a good one. Yeah. I, that's one of my because I I remember. I remember there was an annual with him and Spider-Man that like crossed over the annuals. I think where Ghost was like the, the villain. I think it was Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Black Panther teaming up, in like a set of annuals. And all the weird stuff you get sometimes. So let's um, let's hit our play-in. So we have, we have Captain America versus Iron Man to see who gets to go into the tournament. Uh, Matt, why don't you start us off on this one? So this, I mean, I, I feel both these guys, like they have the, their top tier villains are really interesting, but they're not, they're not as strong as X-Men, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man. Yeah. Between the two, I feel it really comes down to like who, the best. Does the best Captain America villain trump the best Iron Man villain, or and vice versa? And to me, I feel like it, look, I'm going to count like Red Skull. Like Red Skull to me is a better, more compelling villain than any of like Iron Man's villains. Like I would say that probably the best Iron Man villain is like Mandarin. Uh, and I feel like Red Skull is, is a more interesting and compelling character. So. I'm gonna give the nod to Captain America. You know that's actually funny because that's kind of where I was thinking is like who has the best villain, and I, I really think um, I'm gonna do you one better. I think um, I think Red Skull is better than most of the Iron Man villains, but I also think Baron Zemo is also better than most of the Iron Man villains. So I think I think that's why I'm gonna go with Cap, just because I think his like kinda top of the line guys are just better. See, I was uh my vote's going to Iron Man for variety and different kinds of challenges and giant dragon. So um You mean kaiju? 
Well, yeah, he is. But uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm outvoted here, but uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm still going to back Iron Man on it. Well, so uh, Captain America moves on, and now he runs face first into Spider Man. So I'll just start us off. Uh, I think Spider Man, and it's not even close because Spider Man just has such a wealth of villains all across the spectrum. Yeah, the Spidey's winning this one, um, hands down, as far as I'm concerned. You go, you going against the grain, Matt? Or are you? You going with us on this one? Oh wait, say that again. I said, um, are you going Spider-Man or Captain America? Are you going with us, or are you going your own direction on this one? No, I have to go with Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man, far and away, has the better villains. Yeah, I totally think so. So <clears throat> I think I think this one is tough though. So for our other one, we have X-Men versus Fantastic Four. See the the Fantastic Four have they have like well they've got Doctor Doom and that's iconic that you know that's big and they have like big scale stuff. Okay, you know if if I'm going to compare what I consider the top villain from each one, Doctor Doom is is cool and all, but I'm just I'm Magneto is is more intriguing to me. Um, because Doctor Doom kind of feels like he's at this place where he's like, "No, nah, I can do anything," because I just learned. Like, it, it's it seemed it, it has seemed like uh, Doom can just kind of pick up and go with anything. Whereas Magneto, not only does he have the backstory he has, but he's also in this place where he's like, "No, I am the Homo Superior." I I, I'm not learning other stuff. I know what I'm doing. I have this power. And so kind of the haughtiness and the that sort of, I, I I like Magneto more. So that's that's going to edge X-Men ahead of the four for me. Plus, uh, and, and this this is about the rogues gallery, but I don't really like the Fantastic Four as a team. I like Ben Grimm. I, I don't really like anybody else. It's a real shame because the Fantastic Four have a very rich and vibrant world. They do, but um, I kind of hate most of them. I mean, it's a, it's a book where <laughs> it's a book where like their mailman had a name. I understand. I have a real, just, I have a real fondness. I, I I've grown a real fondness for them over the years, just because they're kind of like Superman, where you, I just kind of like want to step in their world and like explore the characters and stuff. I'm not a. I'm just not. I'm. I just don't like the four. I like. I like one of the four. Well, there's children's now because there's um. There's the kitties too. Mm. Matt, what do you think? Between X Men and Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is tough because I. I've seen a lot of X Men cartoons and the X-Men movies read a lot of the books uh, but I'm actually going to go with Fantastic Four and I'm going to go with Fantastic Four because I'm 
I'm a little played out with some of the X-Men villains. Yeah, that's that's a, I, I I would agree with you with that like when 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 Shad's talking about how he's interested in Magneto, I'm kind of just like, man, like they really just like run Magneto yeah, into the ground. I know they yeah, they've run him into the ground, but I still I like the character more. I may be tired of seeing him, but I like the character more. I'll, I'll fully admit to that. Um, and I'll go with Fantastic Four just because I feel like Fantastic Four has. I think they they've had the disservice of not really having a lot of media that people have really like latched onto them. Like I know they they've had like a a, a couple movies that did that weren't really that good, and they've had. Uh, it's kind of short-lived cartoon show, but I feel like they have a lot of villains that are really like top-tier villains, and they haven't done a lot. With, they've done stuff with them in the comic books, but not not as much recently, perhaps. Well, remember they weren't really I, doing comics of them for a long time because they had that like thing yeah. where they weren't doing comics of people that weren't owned by the movie studio that they finally like right. realized was stupid. So they had them sidelined mm-hmm. for like for five or six years. Yeah, um, I think they have. I think they're kind of like almost untapped. Like I feel like they those they're those villains that if they they translate them to like the cinematic universe, like they would become even more popular. Like and they're really just they're a lot of I I we listed several of them like Kang, Galactus, Annihilus, Namor, even Blaster. Uh, Blastar, the Frightful Four are even like really good villains that like they kind of don't get as much uh, hype or credit as they should. No, so even even like stuff like Super Scroll, Impossible Man, like they have they have <laughs> like a, they have a wealth of like villains out there that I think are kind of forgotten or not appreciated enough. So I guess I'm making up the decision here. Mm. So this is tough for me because I'm kind of like Matt. Like there was a good 20 years of my life where I just devoured anything X-Men related. And um, being an X-Men fan is kind of like punching yourself in the face a lot. Because... <laughs> um, They've really done. They've done some things I've really liked with the X Men over the years. Like I liked when Cyclops was taking them in like a much more militaristic like way. But they've also left a lot of like their characters by the wayside over the years. Or if it's like Magneto, they've just run him into the ground where like they've kind of killed what's interesting about him. Whereas Fantastic Four, I kind of agree with Matt too. Is like this underutilized thing, but like. When Fantastic Four is done right, Fantastic Four is not a superhero book. Fantastic Four is like a book about explorers in a sci-fi setting. So, like, I think that's where I really love some of their rogues gallery is they're these, like, weird aliens or creatures from another dimension that they've just come across and have to deal with. So I'm actually going to go with Fantastic Four, which I actually didn't come into this thinking I was going to pick. But then I was kind of like looking over like some of these characters and like I have read some a lot of Fantastic Four lately. And I'm like, you know what? Like there really is like a wealth of interesting FF villains that really just haven't been played out for me. 
So I'm going to go with the Fantastic Four. So then for our semifinal here, which will lead to... Which get the honor of facing off with Batman. We have the Fantastic Four versus Spider-Man. Um, Matt, why don't you kick us off on this one? Uh, even though I just hyped up the Fantastic Four, uh, I, I would actually... I'm gonna I'm gonna choose Spider-Man just because I think he also has a really much like with Batman he has like a wide and varied uh, group of villains like they 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 really gamut all that with Spider-Man they are there is a lot of his villains like a theme there's a lot of to his uh, to his villains which kind of I guess makes sense considering like he's you know a quote unquote Spider-Man I I personally feel like there's been a lot of really good stuff that's been done with the Spider-Man villains. Not that there hasn't with the Fantastic Four villains. I think there's a lot of good storylines out there with the Doctor Doom. and We were talking about the Annihilation Wave storyline, but I don't know. I, I like, I'm more of a Spider-Man. I feel like the, the personal stories, the way they've humanized a lot of the characters, even the villains, uh, and some relatable characters in comics. Uh, to me, like his gallery resonates more. So I do. I will say this though. I do think that I really think you hit the a really good point with Fantastic Four. Like I think I think if 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 people looked at it more like like you said, like a more like a science fiction book versus a, a superhero book, they'd probably be like more popular than they are. Because that is kind of, I think, like the the vein of how they are. Like the, I can almost like I I when you were saying that I was thinking like you remember uh, the Tom Strong series that um, God what's his name Alan Alan Moore did yeah you guys read that it's like it's probably influenced a little bit by the Fantastic Four but it's in that in that sort of vein where it's like it's a scientific explorer and then they're going to do stuff which is like kind of like superhero like but it's really just more like straight up science fiction and that actually looking back like that's kind of what fantastic four was like they were fighting supervillains often enough but it'd be plenty of plenty of the, the early storylines of the, the stan lee stuff would be like reed richards just created this new invention and some sort of like serious thing occurred because of that invention and the storyline would flow from there so it's i think that i think you really did hit something on the on the head right there that it's but that's kind of like i'm digressing from the actual like who has who has the better villains yeah uh, i kind of agree with that i think you could i think you could endlessly explore spider-man and still pop up with villains that you could focus on Well, I voted against the four and four Spider-Man last round, so I'm just sticking to Spidey. Okay, so <laughs> Spider-Man gets to move on. So, um, this is actually what I thought we were going to end up with when I started this. Kind yeah. of, um, they're kind of an so Batman versus Spider-Man. I feel like they kind of almost have a their their rogues galleries are almost similar 
in like a way. Um, the the wide and varied part of it, sure, I agree with you on, but I don't feel like that Spider Man's, um, and and full admission, I have read way more Batman than I have Spider Man. Um, I feel like Batman's robes kind of plumb further depths and and um present more varied challenges to the hero than Spider-Man's do. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to end up voting for Batman at the end of it now, but uh, the, it's it's just a... Um, that That's where I am on it. Is I, I just I feel like Batman's is... Sp- Everything Spidey's gallery has going for it, Batman's has that plus more. Like it's 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 the A plus instead of the A version. I think um I think the one thing that's I'm gonna vote for Batman just to say, but I think the one thing that Spider Man's Rogues Gallery tends to have a little over Batman is how a lot of the villains have crossed into his life maybe as villains or before they were villains. Or mm-hmm. how they move past being a villain, like someone like maybe like Prowler, that kind of like teeters that line and isn't necessarily a villain anymore, but is like a, a, an active participant in his life or around his life. Or even like a side character that could be a villain sometimes, but I mean it, it's it's similar to the Selena Kyle thing, but like Felicia Hardy or how like maybe even like Morbius or someone like touches into her life, that sort of stuff. Well, I was going to say, we do have to point out that uh, we're dealing with a, uh, we're dealing with, with two heroes who doink an adversary, a woman who dresses like a cat who's an adversary there, so. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting a little tired, aren't we? Definitely. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? Uh, I also am going to go with Batman, although this is this is a really close one because I actually I love both characters. and I think both characters have actually like absolutely fantastic, like iconic villains. Um, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Batman. Yeah, it's actually well. closer than I would thought have thought of when I first like thought this up. But um, I think Batman just has like an unquestioned top-tier rogues gallery. It's, like, if if Doc Ock and Green Goblin are the top-tier Spidey villains, I feel like they're squaring up with, like, Joker and Bane. And, like, Joker and Ock, maybe you can, you can make the comparison to, but then Goblin and Bane, uh, I don't think so. Doc Ock has taken a, like a lot of steps up. Like Superior Spider-Man has like I think changed um, the tier of villain that you would see Doc Ock as now, because that was such mm-hmm. a good series and such a departure. Like it it propelled him above Green Goblin without question. 
But I also think it made yeah. him into an unquestioned like A lister, top tier Marvel villain, which I don't know. He might have been like a little below before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, Doc Ock has always been like the Spidey villain to me. Um, it, it, I would say Norman Osborn was for a long time, but then they ruined that because they brought him back. Well, it, he's just kind of in general high level stuff. I'm I would go with Ock over over uh, Green Goblin, but J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, that's one of his biggest screw ups. Is he brought like he brought like Norman Osborn back and made him like responsible for like all this stuff, and it was just stupid. And wasn't he running Shield or something? Uh, that was uh, after he, a lot. He of did. Things. Yeah, that there's a lot in between yeah. point A to point B. Yeah. That's that that just that's too much for me. And it wasn't really necessarily Shield, but it was like a joint Shield Hammer coalition thing. And then like he he had the Dark Avengers with that like that needed a whole like um, invasion of Asgard and like scrolls like taking over a bunch of people. Like there was like a good five years between that. Still, that's 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 a bit much for me. Because what they did is they took like so Civil War happened, and the fallout of Civil War yeah. was really interesting and it changed Marvel. And I think which was a positive thing at the time, where like they did some smart things, where like that series was like, hey, you know, it is stupid that all the heroes in New York. That doesn't make sense. So like every state had a superhero team. It kind of like yeah gave you some interesting books but it let you like kind of explore the world a little more but then it led into the secret invasion which was just dumb where like these scrolls had like taken over people for like decades in some instances and then that mm. led to pretty much led to Norman Osborn um, taking over and that led to Dark Reign which Dark Reign was <sighs> I know Matt was reading at the time. I called Dark Reign a mixed bag. That's fair. And then that led to... Was that Siege? Where he tried to invade Asgard? Yes. And Siege sucked. Siege was really <laughs> bad. And then that led to... Did that lead to Original Sin or... What was that? I don't know. That's that's really where that's really where I stopped reading. I I, I kind of started phasing out on, like the big, meta like plot of the Marvel universe at that time because they were really going in like weird directions. But like, especially because I liked where Civil War put them as like a universe. But that's a weird digression about Norman Osborn. <laughs> Well, I think we have our winner for top road gallery. Probably, probably the favorite going in. Um, but the Batman Rogue Gallery as the number one collection of baddies. Do you, um, as Jeremy Clark said. A quick little, a quick little end to the evening. But do does anyone here read like? current comics in any like large quantity because i know i don't because like it is really expensive now i really only get x-men and a couple of like indie comics now 
No. I, I Of everything I have going on in my world, that's one thing that I've had to set aside. Uh, I'm in the same boat, Shad. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it got very expensive. Yeah, to collect. When it, when it hit like three ninety nine in issues, where I like they really like lost me, because now like a yeah. special is like five to ten dollars, and it's like I I can't like because it used to be like I was I mean I always got a lot of books, but it used to be like if you spent a hundred dollars a month, that would kind of get you a good chunk of comics. Like that was probably like a little overkill back in the day. But now, especially with double shipping, like a hundred bucks doesn't get you anything. Yeah. Like that might get you twelve or thirteen books a month, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's a bit much. Um as no. That that's God. Yeah. Uh I <laughs> Back in my day, when you got them off the the, the news rack, you're paying a couple of bucks a piece for them. I think they were like a dollar when I started. Uh, the ones that I remember were a couple bucks a piece, but I was mainly reading more of the like marquee characters. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it, but it's just not a. You know, like you said, it's too expensive. And it is really right, risk averse, like where it just feels like they're afraid to like move anything anywhere, so that just yeah takes the stakes out. But I'll be quiet now because it's very oh, late. We can't have we we we're gonna spend six months teasing the Bruce Wayne Selena Kyle wedding, only to be like, no, hey, hit the brakes. You shouldn't mention that because people still get the pitchforks and torches out because of that. Well. I'm on their side, so oh, hopefully they won't. Because they they sold a lot of stuff, a lot of like side stuff that wasn't needed, and I'm really yeah. screwed people on that. Yeah. Well, um, Matt, do you have any parting thoughts you want to put out there? No, I'm good. All right, Brad. Nope, I'm good. All righty. Well, there we go. The number one rogues gallery in our estimation is. The Batman Rogues Gallery. Do you think we're right? Do you think we're wrong? We would love to hear from you on social media. Please hit us up. And um, if there's anything you would like for us to do here in the future, drop us a request through any of our media platforms. We'd love to hear from you. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters during the fourth, and we will see you next time.